0: you're listening to pacific post-ups an nba podcast covering the pacific division with your hosts lewis dade and nick boylan let's get into it
1: Hello and welcome into another edition of Pacific Post-Ups. Much, uh, much like the Lakers, the big three is all healthy again and, and back out on the court. Um, thanks for having me back, fellas. It was a, a great pot of my absence last week, uh, but a pretty juicy week again the Pacific Division, Nick.
0: Yeah, always uh, plenty happening and uh, always a pleasure to have you back uh, in the fold after a week off. Mate, um, so no, nah, it's um, nah, there's plenty to talk about this week. There's been a, you know, it has been injuries, there's been big wins, there's been big losses, there's a fair bit of movement in the division and in the Western Conference at the moment. It's made for some uh, pretty interesting stuff.
1: Now yeah, we're gonna start off like all mainstream podcasts do in Lakerland, um, and of course, rerunning California Love and California Blue. Uh, Nick, you've uh. You've got a concern about their most recent game, which which brings me just tremendous pleasure as a fan.
0: <laughs> yes, um, in, in arguably probably like the one of the best games of the year, I reckon for a lot of neutral supporters. And then obviously this this rivalry um, with the Celtics and Lakers is you know a, a, a much storied one, very historic and. I think particularly um, if the Lakers are, are back in form, it, it makes for a, a pretty interesting contest. And um, they really took it to Boston. Obviously, Boston have been the best uh, team all season, and uh, end up being yeah an absolute cracker of a game. Just probably the, yeah the California Blues side of side of this is that you know this is a game that the Lakers were able to force their way back into um, after you know they were down by about 20 points at just after halftime, and then. AD and LeBron really started to get going, had a 31 to five run just were cooking on all cylinders. And, um, but then Boston, um, as good teams do, uh, were able to fight back and, um, AD missed a couple of those three throws that gave Tatum the chance to, you know, take LeBron, um, and hit a, a really, really tough shot, um, to get things going for, i and LeBron took a pretty ill-advised <laughs> three at the buzzer. I reckon they could have got a much better look than that, but, um, yeah, the fact that they collapsed and weren't able to get it done in overtime, I think it it could have been a real sort of um, momentum swinging uh, win for them potentially for the season to um you know national TV against a bit of a rival, um, and it was an opportunity to go on begging.
1: It's an interesting one because you know there was lots to like in this game from a Lakers perspective, um, but I think at the end of the day it, it epitomised what's been the issue with this with this big three since they've been assembled, which is, you know, push comes to shove down the stretch in the half quarter. It is really clunky. Um, we saw, you know, Westbrook actually had a pretty good game, I thought. Um, yeah, it was good. Down the stretch, the they were almost, the Celtics were almost operating with the old Ben Simmons-style defence. Um, and it was resorting to either a tough Anthony Davis kind of looks in the post or or whatever it was LeBron burped up there at the buzzer, like you mentioned. Um so as much as it was, it was good. It also highlighted the the concerns. Um, I guess from my end, Nick, the other point you you talked about it with the lake, we talked with Anthony Davis, is that you've got three max contract guys and none of them you fully trust at the free throw line to to end a close game, um, which is always concerning for a team that has postseason ambitions. I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's the um, Always a, a tricky one, Russ. Yeah. Um... As well, I mean, AD had a pretty good night from the free throw line. It was at like eleven fifteen. So, um, but I, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Um, it is a bit of a, a tricky one to sort of see. Um, yeah, I mean, the half court. I mean, like just getting another creator out there. I'm like Lonnie didn't have a great game. Um, against the Celtics, and yeah, if they're all sort of starting to fire a little bit, that's you know, that's helpful. Um, but they're still, I don't know, as much as the Lakers are obviously most damaging, I guess, on the break um, in transition. That's where they can really sort of take advantage. But, um, yeah, just yeah, that last look um, that LeBron had, I'm just particularly considering who Boston had out, um, I think that, yeah, they missed an opportunity to sort of try to get the ball a little bit more to AD um, rather than um, try to finish things off with a contested triple um, from LeBron, even though he did have a, a pretty handy shooting night.
1: James, I know you're an elite student of the game with this kind of stuff. Is there is there a schematic issue? Do you think with the Lakers' execution down the stretch, uh, or is it more of a just a resources issue in the players they've got to use?
2: Yeah, I think it's personnel, obviously. Because I was, uh, I think I said two weeks ago, like I think Ham's put in a lot of good stuff for the for the um, for Lakers' offense schematically that at least they didn't have last year. Um, so uh, you know, I think. Their their offensive design and play calls are very like know show awareness of LeBron's like mortality. I guess um, we saw it in that game. Uh, he had some issues, like some real issues, creating from the top of the key. You know, even just driving past a like a uh, Grant Williams and and um, yeah, I mean. Well, everyone knows in Boston's a really close defender, but I think he had a few drives on Williams and Hauser, who are probably the two lesser Boston perimeter defenders. And he's it he wasn't. It's just not. It's just not LeBron, you know. It's not LeBron who just used to leave everyone in the dust. Um, and I think it's well, I, I think that's a continuation from last year, anyway. Um, so and then, but I think, like honestly, every every team, uh, that has. If you don't have a guy who can create a shot from the middle of the floor, um, you're just going to run t- into half-court offense issues down the stretch against good teams, especially against a team like Boston. Like That's just something you see with every creator. You see with Kevin Durant, he's struggling a lot, playing for the middle of the floor off the nets as the point guard of sorts. Um, uh, Joel Embiid, you know, he's a big man, and a lot, a lot of his catches in the playoffs end up coming, you know, free-throw line um so free throw line yeah middle of the floor so that's just something every team has to deal with and like you know they don't have the shooters to where you know um i think there's a guy i don't think they have yeah they obviously don't have a guy who i think even when cold you can trust to make a shot late um so i think it's just a personnel issue but i think um i think ham's done pretty much everything he can and uh not exactly sure what the answer is yeah because um Lonnie's been, obviously, a revelation with his kind of three-level scoring. Um, But if you think, you know, back... Like, they've already gotten a lot more out of Lonnie than expected, I reckon, just because the thing with Lonnie was that he was really streaky with his jumper in San Antonio. Um, And that's actually probably been his strength here. And, like, the thing about Lonnie signing that I was sceptical about was because I thought the best Lonnie is going to be Lonnie gets downhill more, and I just didn't think there was enough space for that to happen um on the Lakers, but it turns out he's, you know, he's clearly working on his jumper. But, you know, Lonnie's gonna have those nights where he can't use a jumper. Then yeah, I think those nights get very sticky, especially if nuns out of the rotation. But I don't think or on the outside of the rotation, but I don't think a non Westbrook backcourt really works um enough defensively anyway, to at least to what uh, Ham probably wants. So yeah. Um yeah. Uh, the- yeah, good fun for Rob Polinka and and the gang to to sort, sort that one out. I mean, this is why I thought they were cooked. Honestly, they can go get Bogdanovich if they want and add another defensive sieve because he was uh, not giving a whole lot on that end against the Lakers. Um, so yeah, have fun with that one. I
1: guess I'm gonna try put a try put a more positive spin on that for a bit of California love, um, if if you don't mind, Nick. Um, so for me, it's uh, I I think this team has now got a formula together that's going to help them win enough regular season games to to make. I'm saying post season is my blanket for anything from playoffs to play in. Sorry for sitting on the fence there, but it's just too early, it's too hard to tell. The West is beyond confusing, um, but. For me, I think there's enough, and I obviously watch, you know, a fair bit of the Lakers basketball this week, specifically, obviously, the Celtics game. There's enough there to make me think that if everyone stays healthy, this team's certainly featuring getting at least through sort of the play, and I would have to think. Um, probably more play in the playoffs and probably more on the outside of that bracket. But, um, you know, we shouted out, obviously, Darvin Ham. I think that's fair. I think he's he's got some schematic stuff in place that gives me a level of confidence. I think Russ is accepting now of his role, I guess. I don't think he loves it, but... Um, Felt like we saw a little bit of the old Russ in that game as well, which which was nice to see. Um, and AD's certainly showing more life than he has in the last couple of years. So, no, for me, that the the California love for this Lakers team is what looked like the Victor Wembanyama going to the Pelicans is is now no longer so such a dire situation.
0: Yeah, I think that's um, there, there's definitely signs of life now. There is a a bit of a game plan, and you can see that there is a bit of a yeah a bit of a roadmap there. What they're going to do um in the postseason, notice, but yeah, I'll be very interested to see if they make. I mean, they probably will, but what tweaks they do make around the deadline, um, in a couple of months, and and we shall see. Uh, but Lou, let, let's talk about the Clippers, um, because m- my California love, uh, no blues for this side of uh, Crypto.com Arena. Um, it's going straight to Kawhi Leonard because he's back. Um sorry to we're getting a lot of Celtics talk on this episode already, but um, he was awesome against Boston. It's probably the Clippers best win of the season. Um, Looked in control of that game uh, really the whole way. I think it was the, the first game that they've won every quarter. They haven't had like a collapse, which they have done at a few stages this season, but yeah, got the win over 20 points, but Kawhi had 25 on 10 and 12 shooting nine boards, six, six, six assists. And, He just looks so in control of the situation. Uh, Got to his spots where he needs to be uh, in the mid-range, getting on the block to hit faders over pretty much anyone he wanted, um, defended well. Um, And it was a bit of a, uh, I felt like, for Kawhi, but also the Clippers as well. I think, you know, there's been obviously a lot of um, deserved praise uh, towards the Jays um, of Boston this season, and how good they've been as a duo. But it felt like sort of PG and Kawhi were like, "Hey, we're we're still around. We're still a pretty damn good pairing ourselves." And um, to see sort of Kawhi really starting to round out a little bit more was a little bit inefficient against uh, James's man, uh, Jaden McDaniels um, today in their win over Minnesota. He wasn't alone in that boat. They shot terribly. Um, but yeah, seeing Kawhi start to round out now and have a control of a game like that, I thought was really impressive and a really good sign for him.
1: Yeah, obviously, uh, I tuned into that one as well, and, and that's certainly the best Clippers have played all year, if you ask me, um, no doubt about it. I think that now that Kawhi's been back for a, a little bit longer, I think there's also a level of, of confidence starting to round out in the rotation as well. Um, I think there was always going to be an element of of how does Tyler restructure this going from you know, having one of his superstars to start the year to then having neither for a little bit, now having both. Um, but I, I'm certainly feeling a, some more structure there um, which is good and you know Kawhi certainly back offensively I think that the defense is still kind of coming and going um, whether that's that's probably by choice I'm assuming at this point in time uh, but I've certainly seen enough from him in his little stint back to say look is he peak I guess take, do we consider Raptors Kawhi to be the peak of Kawhi but peak Raptors Kawhi uh no but he's he's Close enough that I think that this team's certainly uh, certainly a viable playoff contender, and it's it's been great to see um, James uh, from from your end. Um, you're not as happy as Nick and myself with the the lay of the land on the other side of uh, crypto.com.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, re- regarding Kawhi, I'm. Um... I don't think it's necessarily something new either. Like I think it, like this is something that was also there pre-injury, but he just—I don't think he gets to the rim enough, uh, and it's especially apparent pre-post injury. But it, again, like that—that uh, that jazz series that he was kind of letting Bogdanovich guard him without, you know, taking him to the rim and punishing him. And part of that was Rudy Gobert, obviously, but um and I think that yeah, I think that's uh, uh, a lot more. Present this year, I think he's like he has the tools to where I was never worried about him figuring it out or not. Like he's he's that level of shooter to where he just gets some space in the mid range, he'll be fine. But at the same time, it just means you know those off nights where he doesn't have his jumper might be a bit more of an issue, especially if they you know spam the the Kawhi lead offense as they had, did in previous years. Like he can't shoot himself into rhythm or get himself into rhythm as as easy, I reckon. And um, so yeah so that's that's my thought on Kawhi and then my blues are about this roster I still I'm still not I, I still don't I don't I still think it underperforms its talent offensively um I think the offense is still a bit clunky there's there's some guys who kind of thrive in really standstill situations obviously Marcus Morris is probably the the headline guy here um He's a, he's a crazy talent, man. He had a he had a ice he had a, he had the ball top of the key with Derek White in his face. You know the premier the guy who was locking Steph Curry up, um, or not locking him up, but you know, staying glued to him on screen. He was and there. Stuff. And, then, and then he just you know pick and roll, step back jumper, all net. Like you know, made it look way too easy. Um, but at the same time, you know that's not really what the Clippers uh, need. Um, I think He's been a bit better this year off ball, but at the same time, it's just you know, off ball, you know, driving kick is never going to be his game. And then, yeah, I just think on this Russell, like apart from a Terrence Mann, really, I'm not, I'm not sure there really is a guy who can, like, off the catch, you know, jab, go, drive and kick or something. So, I think the offense, like, it looks a bit clunky in the half court. Um, John Wall, obviously, his impact this year has been really clear. Um, in transition, just creating more open looks, but even the half court, um, Boston. Boston some gardening with Luke Cornett, uh for a bit, and he wasn't really punishing it, um, punishing Cornet. And part of the issue with Wall is he's no longer a guy who can, you know, just turbo his way to the rim, even when guarded by a center. You know, he's finishing dropped off a lot since his prime. Um, so he, if he wants to, you know, punish a guy, a center guarding him, he has to shoot jumpers. And then, then it gets into the whole, you know, standstill offense thing again for the Clippers that they really want to avoid. So um, I think they yeah so that losing Hardenstein is just yeah i mean obviously i think we all acknowledge at the time but it just even like just now it just feels even more massive um so i think they need a move to address that just get a bit more you know uh ball movement and um passing in there um i think someone like alex crusoe would probably be pretty interesting um that would kind of kill two birds with one stone. Um, they, I think, they need some help at the point of attack against a quick guard as well. Um, but even then, I don't think he provides enough scoring gravity to where you know. I think it's kind of like my issue with Nick Batum, for example, where they clearly are good passers and you know make good decisions within the flow of the offense, but they can't really get into the paint consistently um, to where it makes a meaningful impact on the offensive ball movement. So. Yeah, but so basically, uh, I'm echoing uh, my thoughts from the start of the year. Like, I think they need, like, there's there would be a bit of addition by subtraction if you do, with this squad because just like, like going down the list of players on this squad, like John Wall, again, he wasn't, he, he was he's a bit under the utilizer, I reckon, um, as a scorer, Luke Kennard, you know, Luke Kennard, um, in his last Pistons year was really good inside the arc. Um, for a guy who's known as a specialist shooter and on the Clippers he's become a specialist shooter I think we've all talked about this with Canard as well but um, so he's underutilised I think Norman Powell's underutilised Norman Powell on a lot of squads is a guy who you're running play after play for because he's just so good as a three level scorer and I don't think he's the same with Clippers so yeah so I think swapping out some of those scorers for guys who are a bit better at the drive and kick would be um, would be needed because I can see the squad having some some issues in the playoffs where you know Yeah, they can just bottle that ball movement up, and um, I'm worried about what the offence looks like on a quiet off-shooting night, Um, yeah.
1: It's a a valid point. I mean, it feels like now, Nick, we've been talking about adding passing to this playmaking to this Clippers group for a very long time, um, and finding that balance between someone that's such, you know, capable enough that they can create advantages and move the ball, but also not going to take away from what the two superstars do. It's such a fine line. Um, yeah, it's it's trying to find that perfect player, and then that player being available, of course, in the trades. Brought up, uh, brought
2: up Malik Monk for these guys about three years ago. You know, they didn't follow up their loss. You know.
1: They with, with Sacramento, I'm about to bring it up. Malik's not. Sorry, they would have been able to get him for cheap as well.
2: Exactly, he's yep. too expensive like now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you know, yeah, um. They got their car. That's what I'm
1: saying. Um, Moving over to the Valley. uh, Nick, I don't think there's any surprise that you've got some California blues about the Phoenix Suns.
0: There's not much to love in Phoenix at the moment, Lou. You're right. They're they're skidding right now. They've dropped five in a row. Obviously, they've got a lot of bodies out. Um, Cam Johnson, the the timeline for him is still a little bit unclear, which is a bit concerning because it feels like it's starting to maybe stretch a little bit. Um, Booker's missed the last couple of games with ham, with a hammy. Um, that's a hamstring injury for those um, who don't know uh, the Australian shortening of that injury. Um, and then they drop another game to the Rockets, and this was the first game that Houston have only won nine games this year. Two of them have been against the Suns, and um, they lose Ayton with the left ankle and Payne with his right foot leave that game against Houston in the third, and it just... I just seem a, a really all over the shop at the moment. Obviously, personnel is a massive one, but I feel like they're they're just they're they're lacking a, a fair bit at the moment. Like defensively, they've been awful. Like 29th in defensive efficiency in the last two weeks, and they've just oh, they just I don't know if it's a if this is going to be something that's going to be fixed by all these guys being healthy, but it's just. I don't know what I don't I don't know what it is, but I feel like I'm losing a lot of faith in this Phoenix side as a as a contender. Um due to maybe well, maybe it's roster construction, maybe it's just I don't know, the the yeah, the pieces around Booker um or the energy that they're playing with, but it feels like they're just they're just missing something, Blue. That's just all I'm feeling at the moment.
1: Look, it it's a fair concern. Um and there's not an easy fix, sadly. Uh, you know there was it was all positive coming out of Phoenix for the first little bit to start the year, and I think they've almost slid under the radar how how poor they've been now over the last you know little stretch here. Um, most of the buzz has been about you know some of the bigger markets or the noise that the pelicans and the like are starting to make. but this is this is seriously concerning. I think this is more what we thought we'd see um, coming into the year. and you know all respect to to what I think Monty Williams has still done a great job. um I think he, he's playing with such limited resources now, and yes, health is a a big part of it, but I think 29th in defensive efficiency really paints a picture of a team that's also not, you know, playing with a ton of effort. Um, and, you know, they're at a dangerous point now with how condensed the Western conference is, that if they don't turn this around soon, um, you know, they could be in real trouble. Uh, you know, the J crowd is obviously the elephant in the room. Um, it was astounding they were managing to tread water without without moving on from him. Uh, but at this point in time, I think you have to start shopping them even if you're selling a little bit low uh, because of a, you know the nature of they can't afford to have an asset or a, a salary like that on the roster that's just sitting at home not playing.
0: yeah, that's um, it sort of goes into the other thing I wanted to talk about because there have been some starting to be a little bit more trade rumors around what. Which, which teams are going after Crowder, um, you know, there's, there's been reports about a heat reunion potentially. Um, and then the one that really interested me was um, a report from Shams that was about a three-team three, three team trade uh, involving the Bucks and the Rockets. And Crowder be going to, to Milwaukee, four second-round picks and some players to Houston, and then Eric Gordon and or Kenyon Martin Jr. are going to head across to Phoenix. James, because. Oh, you, I know you don't mind a little bit of Kenya Martin Jr. Um, and Eric Gordon's someone we talk about all the time, I think, for Phoenix, and I feel like pretty much any contender of the last two years that he seems to be a bit of a, a handy asset and someone you'd want to have. How does that trade move you? you know, do you reckon that's plugging many holes for Phoenix, or is it you know, not really moving the needle too much? Excuse me.
2: Um, so, yeah, uh, I think... KJ Martin is awesome, man. I think he would be. Um, <clears throat> he's a bit of a, a bit of a tweener, I guess. In that, I think his best work is in the paint offensively, and it's not like you know you can say that for pretty much so many guys. But KJ is a legit, you know, outstanding athlete. Really strong finisher at the rim. Um, nice touch. So he's a guy who I think is worth kind of optimizing that way. Um, the Suns, with how they run their offense, you know, kind of a lot of just four out of five out stuff I guess I, I don't know if it's five out or four out technically but you know the two three four mostly spotting up behind the perimeter um and kj could work from there but I think he would need um i think that's a move where it would be it would really hit its like peak uh after an off season or training camp to really bed bed them in um like in theory the idea of him and Aiden uh could be really good, I reckon, because Aiden, um, you know, as dominant as he can be inside the paint, um, I think for one, uh, it'd be a kind of a waste not to use some of his, you know, s- you know, mid-range scoring ability a bit more, I reckon. And then also I think a guy like Cage like I just think even when Aiden's dominant, he's not necessarily I don't think he's at his like he's just I don't think he's the type of athlete where he can be like, you know, really forceful in the paint as a lot of people want him to. Um I think he's just not that level of finisher through contact and stuff. Um so uh I think you know K- and KJ I think it can be that kind of forceful guy, you know, he's a really good athlete. Um, you know, I mean he's six six and he's yeah, he's he's more of he's he's a wing. He's got more finishes in his bag, I guess, than obviously an Aiden would have. So um, but I think yeah, like he'd he'd had some shot blocking, some ground coverage defensively. Um you know who knows, Monty might continue to play, freaking Tori Craig, even though I know he just got the zoos award last week. Uh, so don't know why <laughs> I shouldn't be slandering him. But um, you know, yeah. So Monty Williams loves 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 himself some Torrey Craig, yeah. but um, I think so. Honestly, I could see I could see Craig playing over KJ a little bit uh it, this year, but I think that would be an awesome move. Um, you know, it would add something this year and it'd be a really good move going forward because KJ has some really untapped potential, I reckon. Um, you know, as a slasher too, and a, even just a half-court player, not just not just a transition or roller guy. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then, you know, we've talked about Eric Gordon, big fan of that move. So, uh, yeah, so regarding... Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, so on the run, here we got... You know, Lou, you, talk, you got something on the the roadmap for the team after Chris Paul as Chris Paul ages. You want to touch on that?
1: Yeah, look, it's just you know, and I think we're seeing here with some injuries going on as well. Um, yeah, I, I touched on it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, Devin Booker is is a franchise player. I have no problems with that. He, he's a franchise player. You need to build around a little bit. It's not just he's not like a Luka Doncic where you just you know plug in four four three D guys, and whatever. But he's he is the definition of a franchise player. Um, DeAndre Ayton has been reasonable this year, I guess. He's probably not quite a max player. That's up to semantics and you know, a bunch of other stuff. But I and I mean, I've no, I've never had any shortage of love for Mikael Bridges. It wouldn't shock me if my firstborn gets called Mikael at some point. But it's just an issue I have with. I, I don't see if Chris Paul. So Chris Paul is by the end of next year a below-average starting point guard, which is not impossible given how good people say how good starting point guards are in this league, let alone the backup point guards. How is this team going to get back to the, the finals, let alone the Western Conference Finals, without a major trade? I, I just can't quite see it at the moment.
0: I think that's totally fair, though. It is in terms of what the assets have, that they've got to work with as well. It really leaves them quite shorthanded um in their versatility and how they can maneuver a situation, whether that, you know, does get to a stage where Paul's, you know, turns into your six man or or whatever, and and then okay, well, we've talked a lot about point booker this year. And is that something you're you're gonna turn him into a point guard now? Um to play full time at that position. Um and then who are you getting around him um to try to maximize that or at least support that. Um, idea, and that's a really tricky one as well. Um, a lot comes down to, as you said, like Bridges' development um, as a playmaker and getting the ball in his hands more. There's a lot of what ifs for it? this team. Um, but yeah, and then trying to get Cam Johnson back healthy. But yeah, go on, James.
2: Uh, I reckon. Um, well, I definitely reckon Mckel potential-wise has more than he's got right now. I think this year it's it's mostly been an extension of last year. I think last year it was already really effective in a lot of these. Kind of like off ball scoring actions um but i think with paul being still so good you know like um still so damn effective in the pick and roll uh and phoenix clearly uh you know kind of you know win now maximize your window right now kind of operating side like so i think that kind of meant that michael you know uh yeah, you know, there there could be games where you wouldn't need him to kind of score screens in the regular season, and then with Paul out, he's had to, and he's shown he could. But uh, I think he needs to. I think, I think for them to kind of, uh, um, to kind of, yeah, I think I could I could see a roadmap post Chris Paul, but I think for that to look somewhat, you know, uh, tangible they Would need to kind of have a year where they kind of take a bit of a step back, and I think because I think the way to get that to happen would be Mikhail taking a big league, to, um, you know, with his on ball reads, you know, dribbling the ball, just giving him the ball in the top key, asking him to you know initiate a pick and roll rather than you know getting him uh on the move before the action. I think that would, and I think he's got the skill for it, he's certainly got the shooting ability, in my opinion, off the bounce to do that. It's just and the passing, is just about just, just hammering those reps in, really, because um, that's that's. That's a process for a lot of guys, just, you know, have a pick-and-roll reps in, and uh, Mikhail is more shooting talent and passing than a lot of these guys who, through those uh, vast amount of reps, have developed into pretty solid pick-and-roll playmakers. So I think that's got to happen. I think the K.J. Martin move would be awesome for giving them a bit of a roadmap post-Chris Paul. But I think, again, he's a guy who you should be investing some time into, you know, developing, um, and that might mean a bit of a short-term uh, sacrifice, and maybe even, you know, running the risk of missing you know the play in next year or something like that so uh can i see that the sun's doing that uh you know probably not but um you know i I think I, I don't, the thing is you kind of make this sell for a lot of teams but i just think i think Mikel like i think mikhail is pretty special like shooting and general talent like i think he's i, I could see really high ceiling for him honestly um but he just you know, the Suns need to kind of make that proactive step to, like, you know, recognise him as, you know, we want to make you into our, you know, 22-point-per-game two-way All-Star, and then I'm not sure if they're going to uh, make the effort to do that. So, yeah. It's so also... i, I,
1: I it's uh, also, uh, echo your sentiments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, it's hard for guys like that to get, to get All-Star recognition as well. I think, you know, it's not, not the type, not the prototype we really associate with with getting all-star selection particularly Mm -hmm. the first one you tend to have to blow it out of the water um we're gonna take a quick break let you guys emotionally calm down before we talk about the golden state warriors the sacramento kings uh, and of course the Zubac, unsung hero of the week
0: pacific post-ups is closely affiliated with otg basketball we have got a fantastic podcast and YouTube network where you can keep up to date with all things NBA. Make sure you follow them on Twitter and YouTube at OTG Basketball. Back to the show. And
1: we're back talking Golden State Warriors. Uh, Nick, despite uh, it's been a real mixed week actually in... in Warrior Land. Um I'm glad I might get to avoid talking about the Celtics for the third time here. Uh, but you've got some California Blues um, out of uh, out of the bay.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we were ignoring the last two games that happened, uh, and we were potting a few days ago, I would have come in here like full of energy. as just like, ah, uh, hey, yes.
2: You can't you can't let Lou off the hook. We got to give him some stick for uh, so the, the that we smacked up the enough? Celtics.
0: That's fine. That's yeah. okay. And that that Jason
2: looked- Tatum, you know, looked like looked like he is. Battling out there. He's it's healthy. Like
1: that's he's he's, he's, he's healthy. That's all
0: that matters. He, he was really locked up by Andrew Wiggins. Oh wait, Wiggins didn't play. Um <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah, Andrew, Paul, Wiggins, the Warriors did Andrew did Wiggins, Wiggins
1: the, the, is, very well. <laughs> the Warriors do defend him better than anyone in the leagues so know about no way about
0: it. Um, um, but no, well, let's move on to the, the not so good stuff as much as I, I highly enjoyed that and was watching that game, and like, oh I can't wait to podcast this week. Um but then today happened. And I've been less enthusiastic to talk about the Warriors and honestly quite nervous because the Blues, I mean, this is the big story of the day is that Steph Curry left the game. Who yeah, cares about the result against the Pacers. I really don't care about that at the moment. But Steph Curry left the court um, in the third quarter trying to stop uh, big sticks, Jalen Smith um, and Curry's arm sort of just like went in a, a kind of a weird angle and you could tell right away is like, oh, that shoulder is not good. And so he left the game um, with that left shoulder injury and and didn't return um, in the game. He was on pace to have an absolute barn burner of a game as well. He was having a heater, but um, it is a bit concerning. So he'll have an MRI um, and we I'm as a Golden State fan waiting on bated breath to see what happens because um Steph's been really keeping them afloat um a lot this year um particularly in games where he hasn't had a lot of help um and yeah it's it's quite concerning if this does become like a a major injury where he's out for a couple of weeks or anything like that as you know Lou you mentioned um when we were talking about the Suns that you know, how, how hotly contested the Western Conference is at the moment. Golden State really can't afford to lose pace with the rest of the pack, um, considering they are still, you know, on the outside looking in a little bit at the moment. So, um, yeah, there's, there's no bigger California blue that'll probably drop this year. That Yeah, if Steph's majorly injured, then the Warriors are in a bit of strife.
1: James, I guess, deferring to you here um, as the, the other Warriors expert, um, you know, I'd ask you what your level of concern is, but I'm assuming it's already quite high. Um, you know, what do you what do you make of this now? Uh, I guess for the Warriors.
2: Yeah, I mean <clears throat> if there if there's ever been a time to to, you know, really be proactive about a move, I guess, for the for the Warriors, I think it's you have to do it now because um uh, I like to be honest, I think Paul is going to play better with Curry out because I think his biggest issue this year has been overthinking. And I still think... Uh, and I, I think the fact that when Draymond came came into the second unit kind of ran the offense a little bit um, and Paul played a lot, but I think that kind of, you know, showed that. Um, and I think playing, you know, most of his minutes... I mean, maybe... I don't know how the rotation is going to work with um, Curry. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's like, so I think Paul is going to... Might be a bit more consistent, but, you know, then the the bench minutes, you know, is it going to be just a bit of a mess, really? Um, you know, we've seen Ty Jerome there. Um, yeah, I and mean, I guess he's getting the call up again, so uh, I'd, I'd like to see Rollins get a chance, but I do think, um, and I think, you know, Rollins, yeah, I think Rollins, like, I, I think on another squad, Rollins would probably be able to play, you know, back up, probably shooting guard minutes for now. Uh, but he can make it play in, you know, both screen, defend a little bit, score a little bit. So I'd like to see him get a call up. But yeah, you know, it's just uh the the prospect of other, you know, more young young guys coming in like a Rollins or a Pat Baldwin or more moody minutes. Um, you know, it's just yeah, it doesn't uh, and when it's when those young guys like those young guys play well when they're surrounded by the vets, I reckon like I think that that's been pretty clear this year but I think when you know when it's if it's those those lightups where it's you know three rookies or two or three rookies and you know a tight Jerome or a, you know a non all-star level uh player from the dubs you know, th- they've been really ugly this year and yeah we might see a return of that so yeah they need a move um yeah uh hopefully they get weeks back or something soon or something so they can at least somewhat hold the fort but um you know, even then, that's, that's that's a bit of a band-aid. You know, they they definitely, yeah, they, they need to move. Uh, so, yeah, that's all I have on that.
1: Look, I do agree, and it's funny because, you know, there's been trade rumors dancing around this team now, basically, since their little reset year, um, since they've had assets um, of varying value floating around. Um, you know, it's very hard to make a trade with your best player injured as well quite frankly um, it, it's a very difficult risk to take I, I think this got this you know this front office was commended for not making a move last year um, you know they, they stuck by it um, I actually think as a well, world they could have made a trade and also still won the championship uh, but I would be extremely nervous uh, on the button I mean you've got a you've got a GM that unless I'm Understood to be correct as well is not currently with a contract extension, um, which also confuses the matter. Uh, You know, I assume that he still has plenty of authority within the organization, but then it's also my understanding with, with the way NBA teams work that you don't necessarily get as much authority if you're in your last year of a contract as a GM because you can't just go burn picks or assets that won't affect you. So Troubling times. Um, yeah, it's not like this organization hasn't proved strong enough to to push through it, but yeah, it, it's certainly glad I'm not in that front office at the moment. Um, James, you've got a you've got a silver lining for us, um, and this is the the silverest of silver linings.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, now I'll just, you know, uh, take. Take, uh, pull the costume, uh, take the costume off and realise, you know, that was that little two-minute spiel whatever, five-minute spiel was just facade because the good news is, you know, with one core rotation guy coming out, I think his hand's going to be forced with unleashing James. I don't know what his nickname is. I wish he had a great nickname, you know, uh, the the Memphis uh, Masticator. I don't know i will give him that, uh, but <laughs> James Wiseman, you know, Maybe maybe he comes back and, you know, we saw today against poor, poor Jay Huff, you know, but got dunked on on an iso uh, face-up, you know, couldn't hold him at all and pick and roll or, you know, so, uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, nah, but seriously, uh, Wiseman uh, has been definitely getting better. Um, started to show some real high-end flashes on both ends, really maximizing his tools um, because – With Wiseman, you know, in isolation he has a lot of really tantalising skill sets, um, length. Um, I think his athleticism is uh, interesting in that it's very functional at times defensively, uh, but it is kind of non-traditional for a centre. You know, he doesn't really get up a lot uh, – doesn't really get up super high or super quickly. Um, But, yeah, so he's showing, uh, you know, some really high-end players on both ends. You know, starting to – combine his touch uh and his size on some plays which is really good because even at the start of the year, i thought um you know he, he had, like he uh he had some success uh in kind of the pick and roll, playing in the pocket a little bit hitting those floaters but i thought you know i was worried seeing that in that i thought the good teams would kind of make him put him on the floor and uh let's see what happens from there but he's actually had a bit of success putting well on the floor for the um for for the santa cruz warriors um the uh, I really don't want to talk about the screening because I think screening is one of the things that's analysed the worst in, in basketball, honestly. Um, but I will say the chemistry between him and his guards on the Santa Cruz Warriors is better right now. I don't think his screening has magically, you know, uh, gone, you know, from prime Willie Cauley-Stein to prime Tim Duncan or anything. I think it's been that uh, he has adjusted to playing with, uh yeah, to playing with guards who aren't uh I guess super athletic. Um so he's holding those screens a bit more for you know, your your Guy Santos's and your Jerome Robinson's, uh Lester Cunones, you know, those guys and it's he's reaping the rewards a bit. So uh Jay is definitely getting better. So uh, you know uh the, the Portland Trailblazers can get really excited about that when they when they pull the trigger on that Hart for Wiseman deal uh <laughs> next week. So Cause you got the, you know, cause your your future signing centres, you know, doing some stuff. No, but seriously, uh, yeah, no, it's really good. To, it's good to see Wise uh, getting better, and um, a little bit concerned that he might come back into, you know, a really kind of chaotic rotation. That would be really uh, not fun as a Wiseman fan. Uh, I don't think it would just suffer all parties really, but um, if they can swing a move, you know, maybe um, I think it would be. It wouldn't be a bad idea to bring JYs back to the fold, but they just—they just need yeah, they just need one more vet. They need one more like good, solid, can give you started minutes uh, at if needed uh, vet. Uh, I think Josh Hart, as a manager, would be a really good option. Um, but we'll we'll see what they do there. Um, yeah,
1: the the analytics guys are very in on on the last couple of seasons of Josh Hart as well. I'd suggest he's a he's a guy with a lot of smart front officers that got an eye got an eye on. Um, we're going to move over to Sacramento, who are hot off of a, a, a pretty handy uh, win today. Um, obviously, Nick's got some California love, and, and James has a take that we're going to save for the end of the podcast. So, Nick, talk to us uh, about the the big Lithuanian that we all love so much.
0: Yeah, um, just Sabonis be has been playing really, really well. Um, I think I feel like we've talked a lot about Fox this year, um, about Kevin Herter, Um and we probably haven't talked to a lot about Domas uh, probably as much as we could have um, and he had a you know, game today that really sort of punctuated what's been a really impressive run for him um, of late uh, and you know, another 20-20 game today, 21 points, 20 rebounds um, shot it really well just on a tick over 75% 7 assists as well, just like a perfect game um, and did it on the second night of a back-to-back too um, against a really tough team in Toronto who probably haven't been as good as um, we might have forecasted for this year, but still, not an easy team to go against, um, particularly on a on the back end of a back to back. So, um, I've just been really liking how he's playing him. Him and Fox had a really good, both had great games, and um, when they're both playing well, um, and then everything else is just sort of clicking around them. It's just it, it's it's a reason why this team has been so fun to watch, but. You know, they're not just fun to watch now, they are an incredibly damaging team. Um, I think particularly offensively. And a lot of that starts with what Sabonis is able to do um as the hub of things. Um certain so no, I've been really liking how Domas has been playing, uh, particularly the last few weeks.
1: It, it, it's weird. I mean, you know, that, that Sabonis Halliburton trades just keep gonna go round and round in circles. But right now, both franchises are yeah. relatively happy with the situations they're in. Um so it's yeah, it, it's certainly been great to see the big fella, um, you know, get to the peak of his form. It'll be interesting to see if the Kings can push up the rankings, whether there'll be any any conversations about two All-Stars, not one in Sacramento. But uh, oh,
2: the I think scenes. we're,
1: a bit, think we're uh, still a little bit far away from that conversation. Yeah. Um, sorry, it, I don't
2: know how we all feel on this, but in my opinion, Sabotis has to be the All-Star if one is picked from Sacramento. Like, I know he had that. Like, it is a bit of recency bias. He had a rough start to the year, Fox had a kind of recent rough stretch. But uh, I don't know, I just think, I think when Sabonis is kind of purring, he kind of, I think he I, he makes his teammates a little bit better than, uh, he makes his teammates better than Fox does, in my opinion. Um, you know, just seeing the way Monk and him connect, uh, you know, uh, is just, I mean, yeah, a little bit of my Malik Monk bias coming into it, but then again, you know, as we established earlier, if if you know teams like the LA Clippers listen to be on Malik Monk, you know, they'd be uh, they'd be championship favorites by now. So maybe there's something no but um but uh seriously like uh the games he had against Milwaukee and then Cleveland back to back were just against, you know, two of the most imposing front lines those are, you know, Giannis Brook Lopez and Mobley Jared Allen. Those if you think if there is a game where Simonis would struggle, it'd be, it'd be against teams that sell out to defend the paint with two, you know, you know seven footers uh, in their front, in playing with seven footers playing both the four and the five on those squads, and then he just took it to them. He just got in, you know, he was, he was taking, he was taking it at, at Brook Lopez, goddammit. So like, um, yeah, that, I think that kind of shows the the rich fan of form he's in. Um, his yeah, he's he's, he's he's got his feet under him, and um, yeah, he's playing he's playing really good. Uh, played really good on both ends too. Like that, uh, yep. that Cavs kind of win. That was he. He played. You know, for, he. You know, he's not talking about his rim protector, but he made some really, really solid plays uh, protecting the rim uh, down that stretch. Down the stretch, and it was nice that um, you know Harrison Barnes. You know, got uh, got got his lazy um, lazy ass rotating for once. Keegan Murray getting better with the rotations. Uh, and you know, is what is kind of you know. Uh, over-reliable with the rotations, really solid off-board defender. But, yeah, so, uh, yeah, the Kings, uh, good good on them. That that, that Cavs win was uh, kind of, they won it in a way that I don't think the Sacramento could have won it. Like, they couldn't have won it in the same way in the last mm. uh, three or four years. So, well, we can, we can say, like, 10 or 15 years, honestly, because they've been a bad defensive team for 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 a hot minute now. So, yeah. No, good, uh, good stuff and say. Although yeah. we will touch on some California blues a little bit later.
1: I was about to say, for those playing the Pacific Pro Stops, uh drinking game at home, um, James uh, not only referred to having a bias towards Malik Monk, but also called Harrison Barnes Old. So that is two shots by my understanding of the game. Um, <laughs> moving on to the Avica Zubac Unsung Hero of the Week Award. Nick, you've got a name that's fairly familiar to a nomination.
0: Yeah, um, someone who I haven't really talked about a lot, um, this year, and I, I was generally, like when we're doing the preview, I think for the clips, um, I was really unsure where this guy would sort of sit in the pecking order, particularly considering the absolute you know, depth of wing slash forwards this team has, and I think particularly with Robert Covington out of the ro- uh, out of the rotation, um, at the moment, this guy in his stead has been fantastic, and it's, and it's Nick Batum. Um, he's been really, he's had his minutes really ramped up over the last probably on the month, but really of late um, during this three-game win streak that the Clippers have put together, where he's averaged um, just to tick over about 31 minutes per game. Um, but no, it was really good against Washington. 12 points, six rebounds, two blocks and an assist. Really good against Boston. Um, I thought, um, particularly against the Jays, thought he did a pretty good job. Seven points. Uh, two steals and seven boards and then 13.7 boards two assists, and a couple of steals against the T wolves today. Um, And yeah, I just really, he just, he just makes good things happen. He's he's still moving pretty well. Um, I I really thought he would maybe slow down a little bit in terms of his productivity and what he could do out there, but um, he's still keeping on, keeping on. And, um, you know, he, He's sort of a lot of the stuff he, he does again is perfect Zoobs award material because it really quite often doesn't jump off the box score um too much. But in terms of like deflections and um, you know, drawing fouls, uh, knocking down some timely shots, um, as it, as um, James mentioned before, a really savvy playmaker as as well when he can get to his spots and and, and put guys in the right areas. Um, I think that yeah, Neko's just a such an important player for this team, um, particularly when they're winning.
1: Yeah, that's a great shout. Um, I think he epitomises everything um, that this award is about. And does a lot of smart things as well. He's a smart basketball player. He's, he's, I mean, he's, you know, he's a typical European basketball player in that sense as well. Um, but, yeah, you know, super versatile. I think he's a guy that literally every coach in the league would love to have on the in the rotation, sitting on the bench. Um, so, no, it's a it's a great shout, Nick, and, and good for him to see, get some love as well um, after think, a little bit of time off of the old Evita uh, Zubach nomination. Um I denied about putting this guy in, but I thought given his understated nature when he got drafted um, and also the fact that he's barely been talked about for a guy that's had a pretty reasonable start to the year. Um, I've gone with uh, with Keegan Murray in Sacramento. Um, you know, we touched on that. J- James obviously mentioned the, the good win over the Cavs. He had a pretty clutch shot down the stretch there as well. Um, but you know, in the month of December now, um, Keegan Murray is shooting 48%, uh, 49% on six and a half threes a game. Um, you know, 57% from two. Um, there's a lot to like there. He's basically fitting exactly into the role, which he's ready to contribute. Uh, you know, there's the odd defensive mistake, but I think all in all, he's doing pretty well. Um, almost a steal and a block a game over the last little period as well. So, no, for me, Keegan Murray, um, you know, looking really good, starting to assimilate as a guy that could could potentially... Um, be the reason that James is going to rejoice, but be the reason they trade Harrison Barnes. Um, so shout out to Keegan. I
2: thought you were going to say Fox, then I was going to be like, Yeah, I'm you, know, it you see got, it 20 25 point per game primary score. Keegan Murray, you see it, but you know, you'll, um, you'll, you'll have your moment
1: to get to Fox, don't you worry, James?
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, uh, great pick so far. Uh, I've gone with uh, John Kaminga, uh, and uh, yeah, what's the, is, is he eligible? Um, of course, he is. He, yes. he is, yeah, because he does have that kind of uh, well, we, we did just say pick four. Uh,
0: yeah. there
1: is the criteria for this is is loose, and if you can convince us he's eligible, he's <laughs> eligible.
0: That's <how> this <laughs> yeah, he mean, won't be he won't be eligible year. next year when he's uh, a candidate for the MVP. So, you can't
1: have, yeah. you can't have been in an all star game recently at all to even be considered. It's probably, okay. yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, right, fair enough. Um, yeah, so Kaminga, you know, he has the luster of a, you know, top seven pick, you know, in a great class, uh, you know, the highlight package, uh, but uh, he, he, the way he plays really does embody the Zoos award um, and the way he plays, he has played since entering the league, you know, um, I think people were concerned a little bit about, you know, is he going to buy into a lower role or something like that or, you know, his you know, some bullshit stuff about his intangibles and stuff like that. Um and since he's come into the Warriors, he's been uh his approach has been just just awesome. I've uh, been really happy since Day Dot. Um and I think he's really starting to, you know he's putting in those hard yards, you know, just doing all the the dirty work. And I think he's starting to get a little bit more uh you know, a little bit of reward for his his efforts. He's been a really good player uh, for the Warriors. Last couple of weeks, you know, slowly expanding his game. Um yeah, it seems he had a he had a good game again today. So I uh, just his you know, uh, we, we we've touched on it for consecutive weeks now, but just his it's his athleticism and defense is just um you know, what can you say? It's just a massive massive boon to this squad. Uh but yeah, we maybe we'll move on to the uh, uh my my defense of my uh <laughs> My, my long-term position on this podcast, I guess, now.
1: Yeah, Nick, you, you, Nick so uh, James, you've been brought before uh, you know, this, the, the <laughs> audience, the collective audience, the, the wider Pacific po- uh, post-ups community.
0: And King's uh, Twitter.
1: And King's Twitter. <laughs> um, you know, how how do you plead and, and what is your defence of, of last week's take?
2: I mean, for one, thank God Nick Boylan's uh, Twitter account is private because if he was... You know, if he shared all his goodies to to the wide Twitter ones, you know, and he had ten k followers or something, and you know, he retweeted, you know, Pacific Post episode. Holy shit! I'd I'd be cooked. I'd be I'd be gone by now. I'd <laughs> be, you know, sniped. I'd have suspended from, uh, not suspended either.
0: You would have got sniped Otherwise, by the beam. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, Uh Sniped by the beam, or I would have just left from all the the the, the abuse. But um, yeah. So last week I said. <laughs> with a big if like massive caveat uh if a like you know you know two-way 20-point game scorer small forward you know the hardest to find in the league if that guy is available then you could you know consider you you could you could say fox isn't untouchable Uh, that's and that is that is exactly you know how do you say it? Uh, that? Oh, well, that's exactly how I said it last week. Um, oh, oh <laughs> you
0: were dancing around that point, James. <laughs> oh, I think we war just war. need to return to the fact blue. James's take can be brought down to this. James said that I would, <laughs> oh. I would trade De'Aaron Fox for PJ Washington. <laughs> and that was where I lost the plot.
1: See that this sounds more like James because the, the, the version he just gave us sound like a very lukewarm take. And we're podcasting with James enough to know that James doesn't do lukewarm takes. So I, I'm gonna believe I'm gonna believe Nick here. Um James, you, you have to defend yourself a bit more stoutly.
2: Or just well, if you lean, don't, lean all if the you way into PJ Washington. It. Yeah, sorry, you go, you go you finish.
1: No, just just lean all the way into this take. i, I just, no, you, well, you, just establish your position now.
2: If you don't see PJ Washington as a twenty point game two way superstar, then you know that's on you. But um uh yeah, so <laughs> Obviously the Kings had a couple of games without Fox this last week. Um the guy stepped in, you know, so when I proposed that to Nick, Nick was like, you know, who's gonna run point? Uh in a you know, kind of uh incredulous in tone. this fantasy and, land. Yeah. And I think his uh incredulous tone was justified because uh in Fox's absence, Davion Mitchell and Malik Mark really struggled. Um so I think, for one, it has to be said that, you know, these guys are... Like, the way they play when everyone is healthy is really to the benefit of the wider team. You know, like Malik Monk. Uh, you know, if you go back and watch his Kentucky stuff, like, this is a guy who can be, like, a... Almost like a I'm trying to think who I'm... Like, almost like a, like a book or a bill in that, like, he can... He's a guy who can really empower to just shoot everything. Uh, he's that, like, you know, run a bunch of plays for him to get open, and empower him to shoot everything. And he can get you buckets that way. But in the NBA, especially after his first two years, he's become a lot more of a threes, layups, and otherwise buyers, drive and kick guy. And I think that's to the benefit of the Sacramento team right now because there's a lot of guys who can score on this team. Um, you know, and, like, there's still, like, you know, there's, you know, Fox, Huerta, Sabonis, Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes, even Terrence Davis can get hot, stuff like that. And I think David Mitchell was kind of the same. He really doesn't force anything. Um, but without Fox, uh, yeah, they needed to step up a bit more and kind of you know look for their own shot a bit more because um, you know, they didn't have the Kings didn't have their their release valve of sorts, uh Darren Fox there, and they they struggled to do that. Um, it's the same reason that the bench line at, at the start of the year with Holmes backup center, Dave Omley backcourt kind of struggled. These two kind of you know, they haven't found that uh you have they haven't shown that ability to step up as scorers and kind of really run a, a lineup um as the genuine, you know, primary options. I think in time, if they you know, if if we had 20 games without De'Aaron Fox, just let these guys, you know, find their feet. You know, if we if we gave up on guys after five games, we'd have we'd have said, you know, Kings lost to Simona trade and you know, bench the bonus for Holmes, you know, at the start of the year when he was missing layups. So um, I think others these these guys deserve a little bit more uh time. But uh, on a serious note, um yeah, like you uh you know, honestly, yeah, on a serious note, perhaps uh losing Fox would uh hurt the, the Kings a bit more in the short term than uh, than I kind of uh, suggested they would. Uh so yeah, but um but yeah, uh Yeah, any, any thoughts on my uh, my meek uh, defense, uh, Nick and Lou?
0: I'm gonna leave Lou for this one because I already heard it last week, and I was still shaking. I'm still shaking my head. My head's been shaking for a week. <laughs> um,
1: <sighs> so, firstly, I think this is this is about time, Nick, that we we write up some sort of policy on um, oh. taking serious psychedelics prior to recording a podcast. Oh, I think this is the this is <laughs> modern um, No, no, it was, it was, it was a, that defense was about as weak as James describes Harrison Barnes' rotations. Um, look, you know, I, I think at some point in time, I don't know if either of you is a real big two K head. I think you need to do the the PJ Washington for De'Aaron Fox trade <laughs> simulations, and and let's see what the record comes out as. Oh. Um, I'm yeah, but you know, indicator. you know,
2: two K, two K is kind of a flawed system. You know, they they yeah, always love. Flavor like, you. I think that
1: would give you a better chance. I'll be honest with you. I think two K would actually <laughs> give you a better chance of having this work favorably.
2: Oh, I mean, if you give me, if you give me some time, like if you give me some time, you know, get those player develop, development badges going, give me a couple of off and then then we'll get PJ to an eighty-seven overall, and we'll be cooking. But uh, you know, right now, Fox is you know what eighty-five or whatever. I don't, I don't play two K, but you know, two K kind of just. 2k views a game is, you know, a bunch of robots playing together. Um, you know, back in the day you you, you could trade Harrison Hassan Whiteside to any team, even if they had a even even if they already had a center, boom, 10 plus extra 10 wins. Uh so you know, uh I'll just uh you know, I'll I'll just uh I'll just I'll just I'll just bide my time. I'll just wait. Um, you know, we get to a playoffs, we see Fox, you know, shooting all those stupid step back jumpers, uh you know, shooting his team out of the game, and uh, you know, and the, the Kings, you know, might have some, you know, might might entertain this, and then you know, I'm just, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm biding my time. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing that. You know, sticking with it. Called, okay. They, they called me a madman, you know, three years ago about the league I...
1: All, all I'm going to say is we're we're not going to get a chance this year to find out whether PJ Washington yeah. can shoot his team out of the playoffs <laughs> with jumpers. So let's <laughs> yeah let's let's settle on that one for a little bit now, gents. It's it's been a pleasure. I think we need to let James calm down before he goes to bed. Um, we'll uh, we'll try to jam in uh, one more pod if we can pre Christmas. Um, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Thank
2: you, gents.
0: Cheers, guys. We'll see you soon.
2: Thanks, boys.